Welcome in, Bucks fans. This is your podcast on pewterpirates.com. A few extra bucks. And boy, three weeks of the season have passed, and you've seen a lot of crazy football so far. I'm going to bring in my producer, Justin Thomas, and my partner, Roy Cummings. So far in this season, how would you describe it, Roy? Give me one word to describe this season so far. Uh, unexpected. A lot of things have happened that uh, I don't think we saw coming um, from, you know, just talking about the Buccaneers. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people thought there was a great chance for this team to finish 2-1, and one, especially after, um, you know, what happened in, in Carolina a couple weeks ago. I think there was a lot of confidence about the new kicker. Now it's a lot of the same old with those guys. And then there's a lot of things happening around the league with Antonio Brown, the Dolphins, some other teams that uh, we just we just didn't see coming, man. You took my word because uh, if you want to combine it, this could be one word, same old. I, I hate to say same old Bucks, but my goodness, bad coaching decisions, bad kicking, bad defense. We've had a little same old Jameis Winston at times, even though he's gotten a little better recently. Just same old. And I think Bucks fans are frigging tired of this. Like, when's it going to end? I mean, the law of averages – we have Bruce Arians here. He's not going to be like every other coach. Well, so far he has been. We'll get to that in just a second. But Justin Thomas, do you have one word for the season so far? Uh, roller coaster ride. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's two words. Bro. I'll give you. I'll give you roller coaster. How about that? Yeah, right, roller though. coaster. <laughs> yeah, ups and downs. Yeah, down, down, yeah, and, and then, then up, up, and then down again for the Bucks. Yeah. You know the crazy thing, guys, is they could easily be two and one. But they could also, Roy, easily be 0-3. Yes, they could. And you know, but you know, you I'll say this. You can say that of almost every team in the NFL. You can't say it about the Chiefs, you can't say it about the uh the Patriots, uh, you can't say it about, you know, a lot of teams. You can almost say it about you the, the good you mean the good teams? <laughs> What's that? You mean the good teams? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you can't say it about the good teams, but you can say it about the Bucks because they're not one of the good teams right now. All right, here's the deal. People are picking on Byron Leftwich. People are all over Matt Gay. People are, you know, talking about the Bucks defense. And all those are valid points. My biggest problem is Bruce Arians. And I love Bruce Arians for a lot of things that, you know, I thought he was going to bring this franchise. But he's acting like he's, you know, Dick Vermeil. Been away from the game for 10 years. He's been away for one year. It's almost like he's... You know, did he think he was going to be this ambassador and not have to make decisions on penalties, not make decisions on game management at the end? I mean, I'm just shocked how bad his head coaching has been at crucial moments the last two weeks. You know, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think this is one of the – when I say unexpected, uh, one of the reasons I picked that was because I did not expect Bruce Arians to be sort of – as out of sync as he as he seems to be right now. Um, look, this is a guy who, for everybody's uh, belief, is considered one of the better uh, better coaches in football, no doubt about it, and uh, in a lot of ways. And though his handling of things on the sideline, I think, is, is you know now we haven't seen it because we haven't been up close to it. But you know, I don't think it's anything that anybody here you know you know thought would be an issue, but it has been. I mean, he's. He's been slow to make some challenges that he certainly could have won. Uh, the decision to, you know, I think I knew there was confusion on the uh, on the sideline leading up to that final uh, field goal attempt on Sunday, uh, which was why I was surprised for, to hear him say that, oh, we did that on purpose. That's one thing I don't like. I don't like the fact that he lied to us uh, right out of the box there uh, on that play. 
Um, that to me was very concerning. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's some issues here with the coach. He, he's, you know what? His performance has been as substandard as the rest of the team. Yeah, I feel the same way. And, you know, the, the last podcast we did, we're, we're, we're gearing, uh, you know, kind of promoting Todd Bowles to be the NFL coach of the year. But, you know, I'll say this, you know, Todd Bowles has been, to me, the biggest addition to this football team. What he has done with this defense that has been exploited, really, uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, I, I love the fact that he's getting the most out of this defense. I mean, Shaq Barrett, and you know, he, he's playing to the strengths. I mean, he hasn't had Jason Pierre-Paul. He hasn't had Devin White, the guy that was supposed to kind of be the leader of this defense. But, boy, that secondary, you know, to me, it's, it's a real worrisome position on this football team because, A, you have young guys. And I don't know if they're going to get that much better. You hope they will, Roy. But to me, that is the one glaring problematic spot of this football team is that secondary. You hope they get better. But, boy, if they don't, they have so much invested in that portion of the football team. No, I agree. I think you're right. But, but I look, I said it back, I don't know how many podcasts ago, but before the season started, I said, watch out for the secondary. It, yes, there's potential there for it to be a problem because it is so young and inexperienced. But that's an area of this team where they should get better because I really believe in the talent there. Uh, I think you just have to be patient with those guys. Um, I don't think the cornerbacks were the victims last week as much as the safeties were. Now maybe the, the slot corner was a little bit because they were – it just seemed to me like the the Bucks got beat last week, in my, in my opinion, because they were out prepared. I think the Giants did a much better job – of preparing Daniel Jones for that game than the Bucks did of preparing for Daniel Jones. And by that, I mean, I believe that the, that the Giants did an exceptional job of figuring out exactly where to attack the Bucks defense, which was, in essence, just a little bit behind the linebackers and just in front of the safeties. And they kept attacking that zone between the numbers all night long. That's not a place where you see a lot of rookie quarterbacks going uh, their first time out. And he was hitting that, uh, doing that consistently. He, he reminded me of Drew Brees, guys, just kind of picking apart that one zone consistently uh, by throwing the ball on time and accurately. And I think that that was part of the game plan for the Giants. I think they did an exceptional job of uh, executing that part of the game plan. And the Bucks, in my opinion, never really figured out a way to stop it. Okay, Matt Gay, if you're listening, I'm not putting all the blame on you. For that game, okay. I blame the secondary. I blame Bruce Arians, but my God, you you have a, a lion's share of the blame. You know, when, when he has a 34-yard field goal, you know, I'm not going to say that anybody's jinxed. I don't believe in a jinx, but <laughs> this kicking situation, you would figure at some point, Roy, it, it would turn itself around. I mean, I know a lot of franchises struggle with kickers, but eventually they find one a lot faster in the Bucks. This is unbelievable. Yeah, you're right. Um, man, I, I don't believe in curses, but something strange is going on in Tampa Bay with kickers. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's Matt Gay, Matt Gay, uh, Matt Bryant, who put, put that curse on him, but, the, but they, they've got a problem here. Uh, and and he, you, know what's, you know what amazes me, guys, is, okay, you've got a rookie kicker. Now he's struggling. My concern going forward here is that the problem, I think, is that very similar to Roberto Aguayo, what we're in a situation with now is there's a possibility of Matt Gay losing his confidence. And if that happens, that's where Roberto Aguayo kind of fell off the face of the earth was because he lost his confidence, never gained it back, 
And without that confidence, he just wasn't effective in any way. If the same thing happens now as a result of, you know, a, a slew of missed kicks here uh, by by Matt Gay, the Bucks are in trouble yet again. And they're gonna they're gonna. I, I don't disagree with the Bucks' decision to hold on to it. I don't think he can keep going out and finding guys. I'm not sure there's anybody on the street that's better than Matt Gay necessarily. But the problem is, who's going to fix Matt Gay? The, the Bucks don't of their 25 assistant coaches, none of them are former kickers who can help a t- help a guy like a kicker like Matt Gay get out of a slump. And I would I just, I just I find it unfathomable that among 25 head co- or assistant coaches on a football team, every one of them will tell you, "Oh, I don't know anything about kicking. That's a whole different animal. That's I don't know anything about it." Yet you don't have one guy on your staff out of those 25 who could say, "Absolutely, I know about kicking. Been there, done it." And I'll, I'll help the kid out. That To me, that's, that should be a no-brainer. Who's going to be the first NFL coach to go get a kicking coach so that when his kicker, kicker gets in trouble like Matt Gay, they can fix it? Well, the Buccaneers need to be pioneers in that field because it's just unprecedented how bad the kicking has been. And the one thing I like about Matt Gay, he always talks – uh, you know, if it's a game winner in the preseason or if it's a game loser last week against the New York Giants. I mean, he always talks and he seems like a guy that has confidence. I mean, he had some big kicks with some pressure on him in the preseason trying to fight off Cairo Santos a little bit. But it's just crazy. Uh, you know, I mean, if you're Jason Light, I don't think Jason Light should be employed. But Jason Light, I feel for you because you tried to fix this. You know, I didn't really have a problem with you drafting Aguayo, frankly. I thought, you know, Aguayo, if he was the guy, would really help this franchise. I didn't have a problem with you drafting Matt Gay. But, man, Jason Light can't win either. I mean, he I don't think he should be employed, Roy, but I feel for him in terms of these kickers because he's tried. At least he's tried. Well, I'm with you 100% on that. I didn't have a problem with Matt, uh, with Roberto Aguayo either being drafted. Um, you know, not like the Bucks are the first team to spend a high draft pick on a kicker. It's happened before. Uh, you draft a player of that caliber. The idea was that he would be with you for 15 years and uh, and solve a big issue, a big problem for you. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. Uh, every, and, and I agree with Jason Light in his comment, which is, you know, if, if I draft a receiver and he doesn't work out, do I suddenly stop drafting receivers? Absolutely not. If I draft a left tackle and he doesn't work out, do I suddenly stop drafting left tackles? Not a chance in the world. Uh, you don't do this. You do the same with kickers. You need a kicker. He's a good kicker. He's the best in the bunch. You went out and got the guy. Uh, everybody was on board with it in the organization and uh, because it was a need. And uh, you know what? The kid looked great in training camp. And uh, then he gets to the regular season. Now he doesn't look so great. But, again, that's something that can be fixed, but it's got to be fixed in a hurry. I think the biggest bright spot so far for this football team is the running game. The running game is – is going to key this offense because it takes pressure off Jameis Winston and it frees up guys like Mike Evans and, of course, the O.J. Howards and Chris Godwins. You know, how would you rate this offense so far? You know, I like doing this after a quarter, but, you know, to me, the offense has a lot of potential, Roy, a lot of potential. It does. I'd give it a good solid B right now. They've done uh, their job for the most part. Look, the offense uh, uh, helped you win a game, obviously, in, um, in Carolina. Uh, it was okay on opening day, it wasn't special. It was just okay, but you're going to have days like that. Uh, the offense got the Bucks in position to win uh, last week. It was the special teams that let them down and a defense at the end, really, that let them down. Uh, without that offense, uh, you know, where are the Bucks in that game? They're, they're nowhere. So uh, I think it, I give it a good solid B through three weeks. Uh, as we expected, that is not the problem here. The problem is uh, in the secondary, which we kind of figured would be an issue, and special teams, which we just weren't sure of. 
I'm not big on must wins early in the season, but I thought that was a must win against the New York Giants because basically the Bucks are going to be gone till Christmas. Well, you know, you know what I'm saying. They're going to be gone for a long time. They needed to feel good about themselves leaving for this road trip. The Giants were there for the taking. A rookie quarterback who, uh, who wasn't acting like a rookie, obviously. But I thought that was as close to a must win in week three as you're going to see, Roy. Well, I, I see where you're coming from with that, but I wouldn't, I'm not going to say it was a must win simply because, you know, there's, there are other opportunities here. When we look at the schedule on opening day, it looks one way. A quarter of the way through the season, the schedule looks completely different, and that's kind of what we're, we're getting into here. There was a lot of concern about Carolina going into week two. Well, they've proven they can beat Carolina. They may be the better team uh, no matter who the quarterback is. Um, suddenly now, look, I, I, don't, I wouldn't pick them to beat the Rams on the road, but the Bucs have had some success at New Orleans. They're going to be facing a Saints team without Drew Brees. Uh, that may work in their favor. Uh, then they've got the game in uh, London against Carolina. Uh, look, London is – well, these Bucks haven't done it in a while. But, you know, the, the, you know, the Bucks against Carolina, uh, I give them a, a fighting chance. At Tennessee, I give them a fighting chance in that. At Seattle, you know, by then hopefully they've figured some things out. But then you got Arizona and the Saints again at home. I look at the next, you know, six games or so, and I think, you know, there may be three wins in there. If they go through the, that group and if they're halfway through the season and they're 4-4 four and four, – you know, they're on their way to being what we thought they were, which is a 500 team. But um, they're also a long ways away from being the 5-11 and 11 team that a lot of other people thought they'd be. Yeah, we'll get to some of those schedule questions in our more likely segment, which will close out this podcast in just a second. But, but, but Roy, take me back to uh, the locker room because, you know, we're not going to, you know, see this team in Raymond James Stadium for a long time. You know, you, you've seen how this team handles success but you've also been in locker rooms so far this season. After the season opener, that was a tough loss against San Francisco. It was a different kind of loss against the New York Giants. You know, you've covered a lot of Bucks teams. I know it's early with this one, and it's a new coach with Arians who kind of brings in a different swag. What kind of vibe did you give this football team covering them after such a tough loss against the Giants? You know, I, I, I got the feeling as I walked into that locker room that at least one or two players – might have taken a chair and thrown it up against the wall somewhere, thrown or or just you know, gone into the shower and Good. just torn something apart. And I think it was Good. just out of pure frustration. Now at the same time, Jameis Winston put you know went and put his arm around Matt Gay and said, "Hey kid, it's not on you." Other players came up and supported Matt Gay, which is what you like. Um, there was there was there was a team there, and they supported the kid who. You know, the rookie who, who basically cost him the game in this one. Let's face it, he left five points on the field um, and missed the game-winning field goal, uh, a chip shot. And so they were supportive, but I still think that there was a segment of that team, and you know who they are, who guys who were saying, are you kidding me? Here we go again. And, you know, right. it's very hard for NFL players to go through an entire week of practice, 58 minutes of a game, play as hard as they can play, and it comes down to one to one guy doing his job, and it's and it's all he does all week long. It's not like he's got any. It's not like he's got to read defenses or figure out an offense or make an adjustment on a on a pass or anything like that. It's one guy who goes out there and does what he does every single day, all day long in practice, and he couldn't get it done. And I think that frustration was rooted this past weekend, and the concern now has to be another game like this. And that becomes a festering problem. And that's where the concern has to be. 
Jameis Winston threw a terrible pick in the second half, and Arians got conservative after that. Do you think it was related to what Jameis Winston did and his history, and Arians knows it? I'm glad you put it that way. Do you think Do you think that they were related? Because I don't think they were. Um, yeah, Jameis Winston made a bad pass, um, but quarterbacks are going to make bad passes. That's going to happen. They're not going to throw uh, – if they throw 35 passes in a game, they're not going to go th- throw 35 perfect passes. It was He was off the mark, no doubt about it, but I don't think that prompted any, anybody to get conservative. The Bucks were ahead, and their running game was working exceptionally well on a very hot afternoon in Tampa against a team from the north that they had a chance to wear out. We have begged – in Tampa for a lead in the fourth quarter, a lead in the third quarter, a four <laughs> lead where you can just run the ball and wear down a defense. Now when they do it, the suggestion is, and I'm not knocking you, Mike, um, the suggestion is, oh, they got conservative because James Winston threw a bit. No, they got smart. They tried to wear with a, with a very effective running game with a bruiser and a home run hitter who was really feeling it and breaking some tackles and getting some nice long runs in arguably his best game of the, as a pro in Ronald Jones, they had a chance to wear down a defense. And they, they tried to do it. And it just about worked out because guess what? When they came back in the fourth quarter, that defense was beat and it couldn't stop them. And it makes you wonder why with 11 seconds on the clock, why didn't Bruce Arians line up since he took the, you know, maybe try one more play and see if he can get it in the end zone. Uh, I, I wouldn't have minded that necessarily, but you know what? The the smarter coach is going to kick the field goal. Unfortunately, the, the better kicker didn't make it. <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy. Uh, we're going to get to more likely in just a second in our predictions for the Bucks' first roadie of this long, long road trip against the Los Angeles Rams in just a second. But before we do that, you know, I, I want to talk about to me, you know, this football team. You know, Roy. It's just so hard to figure them right now because we've seen some glimpses on both sides of the football. Are you? Is there? Is there any optimism for you right now? Is it too early to get too pessimistic? The NFC South looks like it's a it's a hot mess right now. Um, you know, how should you feel if you're a fan right now? What would your advice be to the fans listening to this podcast? Because to me, you know, there's there you could go both ways. You could look at the offense and say, boy, the running game is there. The offensive line seems to be improving, but the defense just looks like it has so many holes or so banged up. And then you have this kicking deal. You know, it's just hard to get a read for this football team because I could see it going both ways right now. Yeah, I can see that too. But I am a glass half full kind of person. Sure, uh, I've always yeah. I've kind of always seen the good in these teams. I, I believe that they have uh, – there's more talent than what the record shows. Uh, I, b- I believe that for a long time. And, 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 look, I'm not a Bucks fan, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm an analyst. I, I, I follow this team and look at it objectively. Um, but I look at it and I see an awful lot of talent uh, on both sides of the ball. So I believe there's reason to be very optimistic. And you already hit on a couple of them. Uh, number one, I think James Winston is playing very good football right now for the most part. Um, hasn't had three good, three perfect games, but he's playing very good. In essence, he's playing winning football, I think. He's done it the last two weeks for sure. That's a good sign. The running game, as you said, is coming alive, and uh, suddenly the Bucks appear to have a, a little bit of a two-headed monster here that teams have to be concerned about in the running game. Um, they really haven't scratched the surface yet of what their tight ends are capable of, in particular O.J. Howard and you know, let's let's face it. Cameron Bray uh, has been forced to leave a couple of scores on the 
on the field because uh, uh, because of penalties by other players. So um, offensively, I think there's more that can be done, and they're doing a lot as it is. Uh, defensively, Shaq Barrett should be the talk of the NFL. He's got eight sacks, and nobody can figure out how to block him yet. Um, and again, I, I think they're getting great push from from Indomitian Sue and uh, and and Vita Vea. I don't think two teams in in the NFL have ever held Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey to less than 50 yards rushing total in the two games that they faced those guys. The Bucs have done it. They're really hard to run against. Uh, they've got a pass rusher. They've got some issues in the secondary. But as I said, that secondary should get better as time goes on because those kids are very talented, and I really think they've got a good coach, and Todd Bowles is going to figure some things out for them. My concern is the kicker. That's the thing where I really kind of say, you don't know what to, what to make of this kid. He's a rookie. Uh, his, his confidence has to be shaken. Um, he can say all he wants about how, you know, you got to face adversity and deal with it, this, that, and the other. That, those are great words. you got to go out and show me you can do it. And hopefully we're not at the point yet where the Bucks start altering their game plan and their play calling uh, to adjust for the fact that they can't – they don't believe in their kicker. But uh, it ain't going to be too much longer before they do, and if that happens, then you got real problems. But right now I think there's an awful lot to be excited about uh, with this team going forward. All right, Justin, we've broken it down, all three phases of the game, but now you know what time it is. More likely, I baby. Like, I feel like every time we hear that, Gene Rayburn should walk out with that big skinny <laughs> stick mic, and we should say, you know, some crazy question to – Harvey Corman or somebody. We have a uh, sport coat like that in the back of our closet somewhere, don't we? Don't we all have one like we that? We all do. Game show? <laughs> hey, man, we, we never wear it, but we're not gonna we're not gonna give it up either. Some wide plaid thing, yeah. Exactly. Well, this is more likely. It's three hypotheticals. Uh, we always kind of finish with some pop culture. Sometimes we talk uh, around the league, the NFL, but we're gonna talk a lot of bucks in this. More likely, Justin's gonna go first, and then Roy, and then I know the questions, so I'll just kind of weigh in on what you guys say. But the first question, you know. Um, the Bucks are getting ready for this uh, five-game roadie. Of course, one of the games is a home game, but it's in London. Of the five road games, how many more likely do the Bucks win? Justin Thomas. Can you give me the teams real quick? I don't. I can't remember all. Yes, and I will break it down. Um, at the Rams, at the Saints. Thanks NFL for that. Uh, at London uh, with the Carolina Panthers, at the Titans, at the Seahawks. So a little top-heavy gets slightly easier after the Saints, on paper anyway. Rams, Saints, Panthers, Titans, Seahawks. So the Bucks aren't going to be back until November 10th, which is unbelievable because it's September 26th as I speak right now. So of those five games, how many wins for the Bucks? I think one. <laughs> really? Uh, that's a brutal stretch. I mean, Rams look really good. I think – Going into New Orleans is always tough, even if Breeze isn't playing. Uh, I'm really impressed with uh, the backup QB for the Panthers, Kyle uh, Allen. Allen. Yeah, and uh, I think Seattle's tough. Whenever you play there, I just I think the one win they get is against the Titans. I, maybe they might be able to squeak out too, but I, I just don't see it happening. Interesting. Roy, Mr. Glasses Half Full Cummings, what do you think? <laughs> um, I think they could win three of them. Wow. 
Which ones? Yeah, I um, I, I think they're going to have a fighting chance at New Orleans. Okay. I think they've got a chance at uh, at Atlanta. Uh, these are teams that they've you know that they've. You mean against Carolina? Uh, so I think they've got a shot there. Yeah. And uh, you never know. I mean, uh, look, I'm not picking them to beat Seattle, but uh, come on, they should be they should be able to beat the Lions on the road. They should be able to beat. Uh, well, no, no, no. You got you got Rams, Saints, Panthers, Titans, Seahawks. Oh, you're just talking about the next five. Oh, the yeah, next, the next oh, five. I'm sorry. Okay, I thought you were yeah, talking yeah. about. No, no, that's all right. That's all right. Oh, yeah. The next uh, five. Rams, Saints, Titans, Seahawks. They'll and win Panthers. one. And Panthers in um, there, too. Okay. They'll win two. Okay. I'll give them two. <laughs> that's what I'm going to say, too. I say, I'm going to say they get obliterated in Los Angeles this week. I say it's not going to be pretty against the Saints. I think they beat the Carolina Panthers. I think they win in Nashville to get a little mojo. But then they go to Seattle. And I, you know what? I almost want to say three. I'm going to say three. I think they get obliterated, the Rams Saints. They get a little mojo in London. They get a little momentum in Nashville. And then they beat Seattle. Because I covered that Seattle-New uh, Orleans game last week. Seattle's not very good. They're not. Russell Wilson has no weapons. Their defense is a, you know, they're not what they used to be. So I'm going to give the Bucks three. How about that? Three of five. How about that? Yeah. It, it, it's possible. I don't think this team is that far away from figuring things out. Again, they're a kick away from being two and one. Yeah, but they're a Bruce Arians penalty away from being zero and three. But you're right. That, that's that's the NFL, though. You're right. It that's the NFL. That's why you need kicking. You need coaching, and the, and Arians needs to step up. And so does Matt Gay, and and obviously the Bucks defense. All right, more likely number two. You know, I'm looking at the numbers here. With the Bucks wide receivers, Mike Evans, three touchdowns, 279 yards, 14 receptions. Chris Godwin, 14 receptions, 214 receiving yards, two touchdowns. Pretty much neck and neck. Godwin was the hero against Carolina. Evans was the hero against the New York Giants. When all is said and done, more likely, who puts up the better numbers, Mike Evans or Chris Godwin this year? I think it's definitely going to be Mike Evans, but... With Godwin on my fantasy team, I would have loved if he could have stepped up a little bit more in this last game. Uh, but you can't blame Winston. Mike Evans was just going crazy against that last game, and I think for the most part he will continue that throughout the year. You got to go with Mike Evans. Interesting. I uh, It's hard to argue against Mike Evans. Uh, Roy, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to go with Mike Evans. Um, Chris Godwin is, is a darn good player. Uh, he's nicked up a little bit right now, but uh, even if he's healthy, I, I, Mike Evans is still the better player. He, I think he's the best receiver in the NFL right now, uh, now that Antonio Bryant's out. Um, and he and Winston have a tremendous chemistry. We've seen that uh, almost repeatedly over the course of the last couple of weeks. So uh, I, I think it's going to be Mike Evans. He's headed to another Pro Bowl. and uh, Arguably, I think, I think at the end of the year, uh, if you look at it objectively, it, it's hard not to, not to make the argument excuse me, that he's uh, he's arguably the best receiver in the NFL. Roy, why is it that Jameis Winston can't throw the deep ball to anybody but Mike Evans? You know, that's a great question. I, I think it might have to do with just chemistry and knowing the player. Um, yeah. You know, I think those two guys, when they, early, when they you know, when they got together, uh, did an awful lot of work to, uh, you know, to develop that chemistry. 
And I'm not sure that James Winston has put in that work with anybody else. Um, well, he put, you know what? I mean, I shouldn't say that because he had it with Adam Humphreys. And he's got it with Cameron yeah. Bray. He's yet to develop it. He never developed it with Deshaun Jackson. He's, he's kind of got it with Chris Godwin a little bit, um, which is why your question is really a good one, because I think those are two guys that he really is comfortable with. Um, but he certainly doesn't have it, it seems, with O.J. Howard. And maybe O.J. Howard doesn't have a good feel for James Winston because uh, the ball's there for O.J. Howard. He just can't seem to catch it. But um, I, I just think, it's, I think it comes down to the fact that these two guys really bonded very well and worked very hard at being a, uh, a dynamic duo, and it's, and it's worked out for them. Interesting. I, I think it's Mike Evans, too. I really like Chris Godwin, though. Uh, Jason Light, I ripped you a lot in this podcast, but kudos to you for getting Chris Godwin. That's uh, one of the few draft picks that really dominated in the rough that kind of – not a dime. I mean, he was picked early, but uh, that was a great draft pick by Jason Light. I will always give you due, Jason Light, when you deserve it. All right, our last one, our last more likely <laughs> – I think I kind of know the answer here, but we like to end with pop culture. You know, Elton John is undefeated with Roy and Justin. We kind of retired Elton John's number. He beat Billy Joel. I think he beat Tom Petty. He beat a bunch of contenders. But there are two singers who have uh, graced the Tampa Bay area recently. And uh, I want to know which of these guys more likely you would pick. And if uh, option number three is you would just go in the uh, kitchen and make a sandwich. Okay? Rather than (laughs) if you had a free ticket walking across the street, you would just make a sandwich in your kitchen. okay? Okay? All right. More likely, Justin? Phil Collins, Jimmy Buffett, or a sandwich in the kitchen? Uh, I know we brought up Phil Collins in the past when comparing him. So Mm -hmm. um, I like Phil Collins. I mean, if it's a free ticket, I'd go see him. But honestly, (laughs) I don't know. That's a strong endorsement there. (laughs) I don't know. Sandwich is kind of looking pretty good right now. I will say this. I can't this- I do not understand the appeal of Jimmy Buffett. Let me just say that. Oh my goodness. So I you know I'm gonna take it. No, you gotta buy a ticket. That's what you gotta buy well, a ticket. Buying a ticket. So that may increase the sandwich. If I'm buying a ticket, that's gonna be the best sandwich I've had in a long time. Oh my goodness. Roy Cummings, are you buying the sandwich? Or are you buying Phil Collins or are you buying Jimmy Buffett? You know, I'm not buying a ticket to to, to Phil Collins, I can promise you that. <laughs> um, and I probably am not going to buy a ticket to Phil Coll- to, to Jimmy Buffett either. You know, I liked Jimmy Buffett as a kid growing up. Um, I was around for his, you know, kind of arrival on the pop scene where he became popular to everybody. And I thought he had some, you know, cute lyrics and stuff. And he was, you know, the whole tongue-in-cheek uh, – uh, stuff, but I think he's become a parody of himself, and I mean that P A R O D Y, not parrot. Um, oh, I see what you did there. Nice. Yeah, cute, huh? Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I just, I just think he's. It's the same old act. Um, it's a bunch of people getting drunk and high and stoned and all that stuff. And good, you know, when you want to do that, go ahead. Um, but I don't want to be a part of that. So you know what? I'll uh, give me a good sandwich, man. I'll sit back and listen to Oh, my God. You know what's funny is is you and I and Justin see eye to eye on so many things, but not music. <laughs> we really don't. I thought this would be like a uh, just a just a fastball right down the middle because I know you don't like Phil Collins. But, man, I would take both. I would I would buy a ticket. I'd, I'd love to see both of them. I saw I love Genesis. When Phil Collins was with Genesis, I thought it was great in the 80s. I saw him. Jimmy Buffett, to me – I don't know many people who don't like Jimmy Buffett besides you and Justin, frankly. I don't. 
But you know what? Here's, I didn't say I didn't like him. But um, you need I a sandwich over watching him. <laughs> I actually like a lot of his songs. I really do. I mean, I'll put it this way. Most of the stuff that, that, he, that is on the radio from him, and I wish more was, I would not turn the channel, unlike Phil Collins. I would. You know, uh, un, you know, unlike a lot of the Billy Joel stuff. But I don't, I don't want to pay for it because it's the same act. I've seen it. Yeah, but so is Elton John and so is Billy Joel. I mean, when's the last time Billy Joel had a hit? Well, exactly. That's why I'm not listening to him either or paying to go. Oh, I can't I can't argue with you guys. So sandwich two sandwich two Jimmy Buffett one, more likely. All right, let's go to, let's, let's, let's go to predictions. All let's right? put it this way. If, if if you haven't had a hit in a long time, you better be pretty damn good to get me to buy a ticket. You better be the who. Or the Rolling Stones, or Simon and Garfunkel, or Paul McCartney, or somebody like that. Okay, you better be a legend. Sorry, Billy Joel doesn't make it for as a legend to me. Oh my God! Oh, you better be really. Or the Eagles, like that. See, I would do that. Oh man, I I love you, Roy, but we're going to agree to disagree on this one. All right, let's go to predictions. Um, Five game roadie. Uh, thank you, NFL. Let's go out to uh, L.A. first for our first stop, the team that went to the Super Bowl last year. Thank you, Roger Goodell and company. Justin Thomas, how does this shake out for the Bucks in L.A. this weekend? Um, I think this is actually going to be a surprisingly close game. I don't think the Rams are going to run away with it like probably a lot of people think they will. But I still think the Rams will pull it off. Um, do you want to score? Yes. Let's go with 3127. 3127. Nice. <clears throat> All right. Looks like a few Matt Gay field goals in there, so that's good news for him. Roy Cummings, what do you think <laughs> about Rams Bucks? Yeah, I agree with uh, Justin. I think it'll be a little bit closer game than some people would give a uh, believe going in. I understand the Bucks are, you know, heavy underdogs, but again, I think they've played some pretty good football in some areas. Uh, I don't think the Rams have quite caught uh, fire yet. And I'm anxious to see how the Rams uh, fare against the Bucks' rush defense. I'm not so sure they, they, they're they able to stick to their game plan. And I think Jared Goff can be – we've seen it happen. Uh, I think Jared Goff can be uh, forced into some some big mistakes. Yep. So, yep. Um, but I, I do believe that the Bucks' defense is not quite uh, at the level it needs to be to beat uh, uh, a team like the Rams on the road. So I'm going to say – I'm going to say 28-21, no Matt Gay field goals here. And, and in fact, he only gets one extra point. The Bucs get the points back on a two-point conversion. So uh, 28-21 Rams in this one. Wow, when you gave me the score, I was going to say, and you said no field goals, I was going to say, well, at least you gave him three extra points. You take that off the board, too. (laughs) Brutal. Okay, I don't know. These three three guys who reside in Los Angeles, I don't know if it's their birthday this week, but I will tell you this. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and especially you, Brandon Cooks, Christmas will come early, very early. Wow. Very, very early on – you know, what is this Sunday? I can't figure out what the date's going to be because you are going to light up the Bucks secondary like there's no tomorrow. This may be close early, but the Rams pull away, beat the Bucks up bad. I think it's 31-17. Matt Gay, I will give you two extra points and a field goal, but it won't be enough. 
I think the Bucs get hammered in L.A. I think this is a bad defense. I think Jameis Winston makes a few mistakes. I did say they'll win three games on this road trip, but I think it's an ugly start for this football team. It's just my two cents. Well, and I love Jimmy Buffett. And I'm going to get a sandwich after this podcast, but <laughs> I do like the uh, Phil Collins and Buffett better than the sandwich. So I love you guys. But <laughs> unbelievable, man. Well, listen, I really appreciate you know. Everybody, please log on to pewterpires.com. You can subscribe. It is absolutely free. We give you a podcast every week. We give you some nice video updates, exclusive interviews, so check all that out. We're on all the platforms, our podcast, so please subscribe and give us some feedback. We're on Podbean. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. We're on Google. So for my partner, Roy Cummings, and my producer, Justin Thomas, I am merely Mike Neighbors. I hope you guys enjoyed this. If not, Just go grab a sandwich. That's what I'm going to do. Until next time, we'll talk to you later. Exactly. (laughs)